You're listening to the Master Photography Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by our good friends over at Squarespace. Squarespace makes it easier than ever to launch your passion project. Whether you're showcasing your work or selling products of any kind, with beautiful templates and the ability to customize just about anything, you can easily make a beautiful website yourself. And if you get stuck, Squarespace's 24-7 award-winning customer support is there to help. So head on over to squarespace.com improve for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code IMPROVE and you'll save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Welcome to the Master Photography Roundtable, part of the Master Photography Podcast Network. You are joined by thousands of photographers listening to this show who are all on the same journey to master their photography. I am your host, Brent Bergherm, and for this episode... And then uh, today, I am also joined with my friend, Connor Hibbs. Connor, welcome. Hey, thanks so much, man. It's good to be on. I think it's been quite a while since oh, it's just I, been I, you and me. I mean, I think yeah, we've I been on with Jeff. I can't remember the last yeah. episode that you and I did together. But yeah. it, I agree. It's great to be on with you, man. It just, it time flies. <laughs> That's about the only <laughs> thing you can ever. say. Oh, my goodness. Oh, yeah. But anyway, let's, uh, before we get to our topics today, actually, Connor, since it has been so long, I just kind of wanted to chat a little bit with you on the most recent subjects we've shot. So oh. what what have you been up to lately? Man, I, I've been so busy as of recent. Uh, I, I'll just tell you about my week this week as sure. far as things that I've shot. Um, so I started my week with a fitness session, just something that was kind of cool portrait in studio with lots of edge lighting. That was a lot of fun. Then I, I shot an asphalt convention. Um <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> it, yeah, no, it, it, it was it was actually really fun. It was cool. They had, it, it, it was this big convention center and they had all of these giant pieces of like construction equipment in there. And that would be um, quite cool. But yeah, when, when you it, call it, it an asphalt convention, it's just like sounds riveting. Seriously. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, it, and you know what? That one was actually it was kind of a fun challenge oh. because the the organizers of it, they were saying, hey, we want you to shoot this convention. Um, it was like kind of a convention and dinner. And for the convention part, they're like, we really want you to shoot people interacting with the equipment and talking with sponsors. Like they use it for advertising materials. All right. And they had an open bar there. And they're like, so we want you to do that, but you can't take photographs of anybody that's holding a beer. <laughs> it's a bunch of construction guys on, right. on this. Like, big, yeah, it was, it was the, it was a really fun challenge. Like, I think that I may, may have taken two photos out of, I don't know, 700 that I got during the convention portion that actually had somebody holding a beer that you could tell they were holding a beer because I was getting so creative and trying to just yeah. uh, finagle ways of hiding that. So they, they didn't have problems with other drinks. And it was just kind of a matter of, all right, choosing my angles really carefully. And it, it really kept me engaged in a way that I wouldn't have necessarily that expected for an asphalt convention that yeah that's that's kind of an interesting in itself but you also have heard you know sometimes there's public events where they like or like you know don't photograph people without their permission this could be like their ticket to to freedom without being photographed just hold it up next to your face and <laughs> and they can't you can't photograph them then it, it, very true and and that was <laughs> nothing that was necessarily mentioned to any of those sure. people and, you know, there were times where I was just like, OK, there's no way I'm going to get a picture here. So I just move on. Right. Uh, because everybody was standing around with with beers in their hands or whatever. But um, yeah, for the, the times that I was there, there, there were a couple of people that were interested in having their photos taken with the group that they were standing with. So I had to actually formally tell them, you know what, you need to place these over here and I can happily take the photo. But sure. for all the candid work, it was it was just it was a fun challenge that I wouldn't cool. have expected. Yeah. Um, so then after that, I, I got to go and photograph and document a board meeting, which um, that one doesn't have any kind of fun pullaways from it. It was just kind of a bunch of people sitting around a desk talking yeah. and they wanted photos of that. And then let's see this weekend. I'm shooting a 5K and some like outdoor activities that they have for families and kids that are associated with that. And and then. This upcoming week, something that I think is really exciting that I'm doing is I get to go and take photos of these old historic posters and photos in a museum. Nice. Uh, but I, I can't like 
scan them or anything. I have to, to set up lights and photograph them because they have to remain in their glass cases. So that's something that's, I think, restoring old photos is always kind of a fun challenge in itself. I like that element of Photoshop. Um, but then having this this added challenge, OK, you have glass. And from from what I've gathered, some of the things are actually under multiple things of glass so sure. it, it's not just one angle that i'm worried about getting specular reflections from but two um and it, it, it yeah it's just something that i think is going to be kind of a fun and interesting challenge it's it's been a maybe a weird week for yeah. me but it's been a busy one yeah wow awesome well i've been up to things that i don't normally shoot uh you know i'm for my personal interests and everything i'm all about the outdoor and landscape and that kind of a yeah. stuff uh, today, though, and I threw a little picture in the um, show notes and also, folks, uh, it'll be out there two days before this episode has been released. So get on over to the Facebook and you'll see it there as well. But I actually shot some glass. You had mentioned those uh, items behind yeah. glass. Well, in this case, I actually give an assignment to my students. So I have seven students in my intermediate photography class. And for our school, this intermediate photo class is all about the basic understanding of strobe. And so right. we start from the very beginning of just like, you know, this is a flash. This is how you <laughs> control it from your camera, that kind of a thing. And so the last assignment is getting at least somewhat creative, still fairly technical, but somewhat creative. And so the whole purpose is to eliminate those specular highlights from the glass, but still grab a very interesting, hopefully image. And so the image I have here is yeah. a pitcher pouring water. And then I've, what I've done is I've just lit the background uh, with those colored gels. And so I've got this nice kind of salmony pink color transitioning to a rich, really rich blue color. And then the water is just pouring, you know, through that color transition and so it's just purely from a class example, you know, I had a student hold the picture up and I'm out there shooting. I have it tethered to the screen. So it shows up on screen as we're shooting. And then we, of course, dissect it and talk about it and all that kind of stuff. So yeah. I, that's that's photographically anyway. That's what I've had fun with this week. No, this is a really cool shot that I can imagine having a lot of fun creating. Yeah. And then. You know, it, what really gets to me a lot of fun is when I see the students are bringing in their own pieces, of course. The only restrictions are that they shoot clear glass and that there's no scratches, etching or other printing on it. So it just has a nice, pure glass element. And uh -huh. so then this one gal, she um, they're then required to print something 17 by 22 inches. So it's going to be a big print. Yeah. And so this one gal, she was all like, well, you know, I've got this one image and she had this gorgeous abstract where she kind of zoomed in with a macro of, uh, feel to it. Uh -huh. And so the, just the ripples of the glass, the way they were going and the way the light was playing on it. And she was a little bit, you know, timid about it. And I was like, absolutely. Just that's gorgeous. Just print it. Yeah. And uh, I, then I was like, you know, don't let, cause they have to submit 15 images for grading. And I was like, so don't let your 15 images just be like that. You know, do show me a variety. She's like, oh, of course. And I was like, perfect. You're you're good to go. Just just make yeah. it happen. So that, that's that's really cool to see, you know, just those those little bits of, you know, these are your minimum requirements. What can you do with it? And then they just run and just it's just really exciting. Yeah, that's just it's one of those kinds of examples where when you limit yourself so strictly where you yeah. have very strict things it, it really forces you to think in creative and new ways and you know try new angles and Absolutely. it forces you to work through things it's a lot of fun so that's awesome to hear that the students are actually like taking hold of that and taking charge with it yes I, I love that you mentioned you know when you're limiting that's that's basically the creativity of limitation yeah and that is just that's when you know if you can get in that kind of that sort of Zen moment when you have those limitations, but you can still get yourself something that is number one, you're really proud of. But number two, really executes the idea really well. Um, yeah, that's that that's when you know you've got something good. And yeah, most definitely, certainly whatever genre you're shooting in this, this would apply to figure out a way to limit yourself, potentially, uh, potentially seriously limit yourself. And just see what happens and and see what you can do with that limitation. In the times when I have time to shoot just for fun and creativity, um, I, I have a tendency to get kind of that creative block. And yeah. one way that I 
fairly regularly will push through that is just by giving myself some sort of uh, some sort of limitation where I say I have to shoot on a red background or whatever it might be. And that that was just from something that I've done not too long ago that um, was a a constraint that I put on myself. And then from there, it forces you to say, okay, well, I have one of these things locked in. How can I work within that space? And it it really can get the things churning instead of saying, all right, I have a world of decisions that I could make. You say, all right, I have a framework that I'm working within. Now let's build on that. And it, it can just help you get that one baby step to towards walking in the creative process, which I think is awesome. Yes. Yes. Excellent. So our first topic that we had planned to talk about uh, more in depth, I guess you could say, is this Canon Ray's image sharing platform. Have you heard much about this, Connor? If I'm being completely honest, I have heard what you and Jeff have talked about in our <laughs> and group that's it. thread, and that's about the extent of it. I did do some research into it before coming here, so I, I am now aware of what it is, but yeah. had it not been for you guys, I probably would not have heard of it. Yeah, and he's talking about the the five of us podcasters, we have a communication group, and so that's what he's talking about. This isn't a public. You don't go don't go looking, don't go looking uh, on for the public side of it because it didn't happen there. Uh, no, we we threw, tossed some ideas back and forth as we were planning this, and yeah, it's an interesting system. And so I've got a few quotes, you know, about this new idea that they're doing. It seems to me they're trying to compete with Flickr and other, you know, like five hundred picks and and stuff like that or PX whatever it is, and so. They say it's intended to, quote, help photographers streamline their workflow and continually improve their craft. And there's something about that. I mean, in one sense, they're sounding very helpful. And it's like, yeah. well, that, you know, I'm interested in that. I want to streamline my workflow as much as possible. And if I can have help continually improving my craft, absolutely. You know, usually I'm all ears and I want to know more. <laughs> but when I have this company coming at me and saying, you know, here's a photo sharing site. This is what it does for you. I start to think how Instagram doesn't make these claims. It doesn't streamline my streamline my workflow. If anything, Instagram is a hassle because I can only do it from my phone conveniently. Of course, tell (laughs) tell your browser to use the, um, what do they call it? The um, user agent for uh, a a device's um, browser. So it behaves like that and you can upload it from your computer, but still, it's, you know, that's more of that photo sharing that we kind of think about. Um, but let's read on with a little more. They also claim that it, quote, this new platform utilizes artificial intelligence to help photographers organize and categorize their photos through auto tagging. And so, all right, that, again, kind of interesting. <laughs> They're using an AI some kind of, you know, machine learning, some kind of idea yeah, behind that. the scenes. Yeah. I guess this is one of those things where it's so new, I'm trying to reserve judgment in one sense because it's so new. I just don't know what to think about it. But then it's also like, you know, a a little bit scary. I think of, you know, Hal in 2001, Space Odyssey, and all of a sudden, (laughs) you know, before you know it, the new Canon camera is probably going to start taking over my thought process and shooting. Obviously, I'm being way out of line here but uh it's just you know the the mind can race sometimes i guess is what it comes down to yes yeah definitely so <laughs> especially when, when talking about this i i feel so conflicted in conversations about artificial intelligence because yeah. I, i'm a bit of a sci-fi nerd so i on Me one too. hand i'm like the the future is now this is great i love this like artificial intelligence can only help us um and then i i've in doing more and more research into artificial intelligence, I've found out that, oh, yeah, the, these things are not necessarily um, programs in the way that we typically think of programs. It's not a thing that somebody has specifically taught it to learn through certain steps. It's kind of set up the parameters for it to learn and then lets it go on its own. Yeah. And it develops its own connections and can be smart. It, it has this kind of intelligence that's able to, um, well, uh, Artificial intelligence is able to do all sorts of things, yeah. but it yeah. also kind of comes down to that. The I forget the name of the theory, but it's like the, the artificial intelligence to create paper clips could potentially end the world because it sees everything as not a paper clip, something that needs to become a paper clip. <laughs> there you like, go. Yeah. You know, like <laughs> when you don't have a complete understanding of what's going on inside an artificial 
artificial intelligence, there is a little bit of creepiness to it. So I, I think that this is potentially really cool and could be very useful, but I also feel a, a, a little wary of anything that's um, proudly touting artificial intelligence as a, a main core feature. Well, let's continue on and maybe we'll go from a little wary to maybe even a little more wary because <laughs> we got a lot more on this to talk about. So they say that I guess what that means is, I should say, is when your photos are uploaded to the system, it will automatically apply tags. So, you know, like, you know, whatever it is that that might it'll recognize like the structure of whatever, whatever it is, a person, an yeah. airplane, whatever the case is. And so that can help in image organization. So that makes me think, you know, like auto keywording. And I then go back to think if Lightroom had auto keywording, that would be amazing. Yeah. But, you know, and w with Lightroom, we do have the face recognition. So you can program someone's, you know, identify someone's face and then it can search your library and it can turn up all those pictures of that person. So we do have something sort of quasi similar in Lightroom already. But you'll also get tags that in, in this system, the Rays system by Canon, you'll also get tags related to compositional items, related to style, related to emotion and color. Well, color would certainly be easy yeah. uh, to do. But, you know, emotion, I'm just like, ah, I don't know how that works. Uh, certainly they would be relying on people initially applying that tag and then yeah. they can say, OK, what about this image? is equating to that emotion and maybe we can then search the rest of the database of all the images and then we can apply that too if we see things that work you know then there's going to have to still be some kind of human aspect to it as it's learning because canon is very upfront they're saying we are about training this ai system so uh, there's certainly going to be lots of tons potentially of human input on this and that's yeah. what is the power for Canon in any way is having all these photographers going ahead and identifying these things. And then, you know, they could cut their system loose on Google images or something like that and just start categorizing the world, so to speak. Yeah. You know, something else that, that is just kind of dawning on me with this is, isn't this just going to make the new form of capture that much more irrelevant the whole click on a thing that has a storefront. If this kind of AI gets developed and is fully functioning, then we're going to just make it that much harder for humans to have captures and things like that. Security. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I can see not even intentionally nefarious things as far as Canon's concerned or that an AI is going to just take over the world be bad. It's just, ooh, like maybe there's some other implications that can go along with this that might not be um, so beneficial after all. Right. Right. That, that's where, you know, people always think about, oh, you know, what about the, the things we didn't intend? And yeah. those uh, Darth Vader like people who will always, you know, take it for their own evil, <laughs> you know, conquering whatever. Obviously, again, we're going way off the, the deep end here. Back on track in their YouTube video. And I have a link in the show notes. Canon says this about the photographers. They say, quote, we want to uh, we want to capture and share great images, not file them. So that's, you know, what they're claiming photographers have in their saying in their mind. And I can look at that and say, yeah, capturing and sharing is definitely uh, something that I'm more interested in in filing. Uh, you know, I'm not, not sure how you are in keywording your images in Lightroom, but I pretty much don't keyword unless I absolutely have to. Yeah. S same here. Yeah. So maybe, you know, this, if this were to filter down and they were to then, you know, put this into uh, something they license to Adobe so we can have it in uh, in Lightroom or they can license it to Capture One so you can have it there as well. Uh, I should say Phase One by Cap Capture One by Phase <laughs> yeah. One. But anyway, uh, on with the show. So the bottom line is this is a platform for, for photographers to share their images, but like pretty much everything else that's free, there's a catch. And at least that's how I personally would characterize it. There's, you know, I'm always that skeptic of something that's, you know, super free, free. and, and, and free, the like. you're the product in some way or shape or form. Right. So first off, they are using it to train their AI system, like we've said. And that's one credit I certainly give to Canon and say they are way up front in their terms of and conditions and all that other good stuff saying the purpose we're looking for is training this AI system. 
They don't necessarily tell us specifically what their goals are, though. Uh, so that'd be kind of nice to have a little more input as to understanding what their specific goals are. So while they're yeah. offering something of value to photographers, you know, this platform certainly has value to many photographers. It's just what do they plan to do with this AI stuff? And in one sense, I can see people not caring about that. In another sense, I know there's a lot of folks out there in the articles that I've read and other places I've seen online. There's a lot of people that are just saying, no way, Jose, on this idea. You know, it's just like not going to happen for me and my images. Yeah. But it goes a little further. For some <clears throat> reason, you know, I, I would think anyway, that a platform like this, in order for it to be successful, would have to be able to be provided worldwide. But yeah. it is limited. Yeah. It is limited to the 50 U.S. states and the District of Columbia. So if you do not reside in that area, then you're out of luck. This you cannot participate in this program. And so something like this just makes me think: Why are they restricting? There's obviously some kind of legal issues going on. And you know, is it something about Europe? Is there something about Australia, Asia that there's these laws already that are dealing with AI that? Or is it just something, this is like, you know, this is an incubation type thing where they're just starting somewhere kind of a thing. And to make their lives a little easier, they're only going to deal with the laws of one nation rather than, you know, these multiple nations. That, yeah. Again, I don't know. I've not seen any commentary from Canon on that. You know, I, I could see that being something that a person would look at with a skeptical eye and, and for good reason. But to me, it seems like, are you really going to parse out all of the legalities right. for all of the countries of the world that you intend on releasing it in? Or are you going to um, kind of get a start with it somewhere that you right. maybe have a legal team that specializes in that country? So, so to me, it, as much as I can be a skeptic and um, really ask a lot of questions to, to me, it feels like that's probably just a move of, Hey, you know what? We know the legal system here. We don't want to have to try and parse the legal system across a bunch of different countries while we're developing this thing. Once we get there and have it developed a bit better, we can see about pursuing it elsewhere. Yeah. And, and that's, and that would make sense for sure. And this next item I've commented on my latitude podcast several weeks ago, uh, but there's a bit of a clarification, I believe, in their terms, their user terms. And that is it's now under uh, number seven. I think a couple of weeks ago it was under number eight. But anyway, uh, it's about it pertains to the license that you're granting Canon when you sign up for this service. And in that they say up front that you own your image. That's like the first thing you own your image. Uh, so that should certainly make us happy. That's just confidence in saying, good, they're not trying to say anything else. Uh, yeah. We own our image. But they also say, quote, by uploading an image to the platform, you grant Canon as, and its designees the right to include the image on the platform for the purposes of making your content available for viewing, training the platform, parentheses, to support a trainable data set used in an artificial intelligence engine currently being developed by Canon, or other related matters. And that's the part that I get a little concerned about. What are these other related matters? Yeah. Uh, and this is another thing, though, I have to say, this is pretty much the first terms and conditions that I've actually read all the way through. So it's highly possible with Instagram and Facebook and whatever that they also use these other related matters type language as well. Uh, it's just I thought that was interesting here. How broad, you know, are we talking about other related matters? Because in the first instance of this uh, item, uh, it it was a little more broad. It made me feel like they could take it outside the platform. And here they're not specifically saying they'll take it outside the platform, but other related matters still is like, mm, you know, we might be able to use it elsewhere and you're not going to get paid for it. Yeah. I, mm, see, but that that also feels like. I feel like that is an intentionally vague area to make sure that just in case something that they do within the platform, they're just covering their bases there. Yeah. I don't feel like that sounds to me like they intend to necessarily have a loophole that they can take advantage and use your images for other purposes. Uh, I, I think that that's more just a, Hey, just in case our explicit lane language is a little too strict. We want to have something that's a little bit vague to give us some wiggle room. Yeah. Um, 
but I, I think that like any company, they're trying to, they don't want to get sued. Right. So <laughs> even if they have the law on their side, that still is a lawsuit. So I, I think that they're just doing, they're covering their butts a little bit and yeah. just, I would I'd be interested to hear from some lawyers. I know right, that, that right. we have some lawyer listeners here and I would love to get their take on it. Oh, but to me, that do. doesn't sound super nefarious or sketchy at all. I feel like that's actually pretty well encapsulated in saying, hey, we are going to use it on the platform and to train this artificial intelligence and the things that have to do with yeah. that, the related matters having to do with that goal. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it's also it's it's vague. And I think right. that is vague on purpose. So I guess how I could see this potentially being used as other related matters is let's say they do have a global rollout and they were to have in their booth at Photokina a nice, you know, huge everything, banners, uh, video presentations, all sorts of stuff going on. And so this, that would in in one sense be considered as removing it from the platform and you're using it for advertising the platform still though. So maybe that still counts, but still as a photographer and you're using my image to advertise your platform, I would want to be compensated for that. So that's where I get a little bit more ticked off because if that were the case where they would use one of those images, uh, they clearly state also you're not going to be paid if we happen to use these images. Because yeah. I, I have not read all of number seven here. I've only read the pertinent amount here. The Yeah. You know, I, I, I think that that is, that would absolutely be unacceptable terms. I, I think that everybody would be angry about that with Canon being a photography based company. I think that they rely on the individuals or they can probably count on the individuals being a bit better informed about yeah usage than anywhere else i i think out of any company that is doing uh, doing something like this they are probably more aware than most right. in terms of the kind of pain that that would cause them <laughs> yeah. to try and uh, to try and get away with that so i again i maybe i'm just being too kind and generous sure. to them oh, yeah. and saying oh you know benevolent company great 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 but right. realistically <laughs> it just seems to me like uh, I think that they would know what they would face in terms of backlash yeah. and they wouldn't want to alienate people um, not only from this, but also their products, their, right. their camera line. Right. Uh, I, I think that they are probably doing this with the best of intentions. And, and if they were to use images for promoting it in a wider release, I mean, they spend a lot of money on their advertising campaigns. I think right. that, to say, all right, well, just because we have this now, we could technically use any photo. I think that just out of fear of backlash, they would probably still just dedicate that advertising money to be able to roll this thing out as well. And they also have a small army of Canon Explorers of Light. So, you know, probably they're just going to draw from those folks. Now, actually, as we're talking about this, I just got to thinking of something that could be potentially fantastically awesome. And that is... If they were to take this AI engine and put it into their cameras and as you're shooting, it automatically tags, you know, this is yeah. a forest, this is a car, this is a whatever else. And it just becomes part of the deal as you're shooting. That could be pretty sweet. And and I could see that being fairly valuable. Yeah, no, I, I, I could see. Honestly, I, I cannot understand why they would put in the time, effort and money to develop an AI like this, unless it was to further their product line. Yeah. Um, I, like as great as the idea of another place to share photos are, I mean, I, I think that that is more just a means to an end yeah. and that end being developing a sophisticated AI that can help improve a photographer's work that they could maybe include in something like that. So I, I think that that doesn't sound like a far stretch in terms of maybe a reason behind this or an overall goal, because otherwise I don't see if they're not doing that, I don't see why they would be developing an AI like this sure. being a camera manufacturer, not a, a software company. Right. All right. So one more thing about this whole idea, and that is they have a thing called their community guidelines. And by the way, I've got all the links for the different pages on the show notes. So head on over to masterphotographypodcast.com and you'll see all these links in those show notes if you want to read it for yourself. So in their community guidelines, there's this line and that is, quote, 
Images of residents of Illinois, Texas, or Washington are not permitted on the platform and may be taken down. Unquote. Okay. That that also... Uh, I, I'm sure that you have more information behind this. <laughs> I do. That you will tell me about in a moment here. But if I were just taking guess, I think that that's another area where they're they're covering their butts plausible de- deniability because i assume that illinois texas and washington have some sort of issue with artificial intelligence or something like that and say um it's not permitted on the por- platform it may be taken down uh, if we see it and yeah yeah I, I think that that's probably more just covering themselves against potential right um, l- l- well lawsuits and things exactly and they also don't allow children on the platform so if you're photographing children that's another thing that they don't allow on the platform all right so i don't mean i don't take this other one where you know they're saying residents of washington are not permitted on the platform i don't take that to mean that i as a washington state resident because i do live in washington i don't take that to mean that i cannot join the community and post my photos i take that to mean that i cannot post a photo of my wife because she's yeah. a Washington state resident. So initially when I read that, I was like, oh, they don't want my images, you know, adios, kind of a thing. <laughs> I was like, no, oh, wait a second. They're not saying I can't personally join. It's just yeah. the photos I put up there cannot be residents of this state and it may be taken down. And so I looked a little bit further uh, into this and I found an article on InsidePrivacy.com. And it explains a bit about why this is the case with these three states. And there's also a few more states. I think New Hampshire was one of them that is looking into laws that are similar to these types of items. And I'll try and be really brief here because it gets a lot of legal info. And uh, I don't know, I, I get kind of bored with that. So I'll try and not get too boring with it. But in short, Washington, Texas, and Illinois are the only three states that have enacted laws regulating how businesses can use what they call biometric information. However, the Washington state law does not provide me with a legal right of action as a private individual. If there's a problem with this system, it's actually going to be my state attorney general that's going to be taking Cannon to to court. So that would be another reason where they're probably like, we don't want to mess with that. And so we're just going to say, we're not going to allow those folks to be on the system. However, these laws usually are dealing with specific biometric identifiers, such as fingerprints, voice prints, eye retina scans, your iris scan, that kind of a thing, or other unique biological patterns or characteristics that are used to identify a specific individual. And I think that's part of the key here of when you attach it to a specific identity, but in Washington anyway, that specifically excludes digital photography, video, and audio identifiers. So it seems to me that Canon is going a little more, like you said, covering their butts, and they're going a little more safety on this because it doesn't seem the Washington law specifically states that this facial recognition that's going to inevitably happen in the Canon system is against the law in Washington state, but they're just kind of being safe is, is what it seems like. Yeah. And I mean, realistically, how could you enforce something like that? Uh, (laughs) If you as a a resident of Washington are on vacation and you happen to be in the background of a photo that I take and then post on there, uh, who's going to enforce that? I mean, you could say to a certain extent, if you're if you have geotagging and it's a portrait and it was taken and taken in Washington. And this AI is able to pick out all that information, which I don't see why it wouldn't be able to, then you could say, oh, oh, this, this photo is not allowed, but realistically it's, it's, there are so many areas in which that would just be unenforceable that I think that this is just purely trying to cover themselves because they want to prevent any lawsuits from coming their way. Right. Absolutely. And one situation I kind of thought of too was, to say, you know, what if you and I, for example, were at the same uh, same event and we photographed a person? I happened to tag that person. Uh, maybe they're a Washington or Illinois or Texas resident. I'm wondering, too, if the system would 
go beyond be my account the face yeah would they yeah. go beyond my account and automatically say hey connor did you know you photographed Susie q at this event that brent was also at and we'll go ahead and just tag it for you as well i could see that being a potential mess of privacy issues cropping up here and again canon is just being overly cautious it seems like and saying at least for these residents people from these states not gonna touch yeah. it <laughs> Anyway, I just found all that quite interesting as, you know, as far as the a service that Canon is providing and, you know, what they're trying to do with this thing about this artificial intelligence, intelligence type stuff. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how it comes together when other states enact similar laws, because I would think Canon, they could be quite severely limited if other states do start enacting all these laws and then all of a sudden they can't utilize the system anymore so basically what they're doing is they're getting out there at least it seems like to me they're potentially getting out there they're getting the system trained so that they can have a nice system that is smart and intelligent already before it gets shut down because of these biometric restrictions from these various states yeah all right let us take a few more moments to thank squarespace once again where you can turn your dream into a reality with squarespace Squarespace makes it easier than ever to launch your passion project. Whether you're looking to start a new business, showcase your work, publish content, sell products, and more, Squarespace is a tool for you. With beautiful templates created by world-class designers and the ability to customize just about anything with a few clicks, you can easily make a beautiful website yourself. Squarespace's powerful e-commerce functionality lets you sell anything online and analytics to help you grow that site in real time. Everything is optimized for mobile right out of the box, and there's nothing to patch or upgrade ever. Buying a domain is also simple, and you'll get the help you need with Squarespace's 24-7 award-winning customer support. Squarespace empowers millions of people, from designers to lawyers, artists and gamers, and even restaurants and gyms, to turn great ideas into something real. So head on over to squarespace.com improve for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, Use the offer code IMPROVE to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com slash IMPROVE, and then use that offer code IMPROVE. All right, Connor, the next item you kind of brought to my intention, that is the Yongnuo YN450. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about that camera? Yeah. So so this is, as you said, a camera from Yongnuo. Um for many people that are familiar with the brand, you know that they do a really good, uh, a really moderately proficient, a nice flash. Yes. If you want to call it that. Flashes. And a good knockoff of, well, not even a knockoff because it works on its own, but it's a, a 50 millimeter lens for the Canon system that is pretty much a ripoff of, of the Canon 50 millimeter, but um, for significantly cheaper and similar quality. Um, so, so young Noah is pretty good at taking technology, kind of reverse engineering stuff and developing a product that is more affordable, but similar in terms of operation. So th this is something that kind of caught me off guard and it is a little bit surprising because not only are they coming out with their own camera, but it's a really interesting kind of a camera um it's it's android based and the back of it looks like a phone yeah but it has an ef mount with internal memory and like like well a removable battery which uh, that doesn't surprise me too much but it's essentially it looks like a phone it really looks like an android phone on the back with a giant ef mount on the front and a micro four-thirds sensor on it that can take 4k video um just something that I I came across on the F stoppers website and was kind of, I was just taken aback. It's really kind of a unique approach and something that I don't know that I had really expected to see not only from young no, but from anyone, this kind of merging of phone Android technology with a camera. Yeah. This thing, when I first saw it too, I kind of had the same idea. Initially I was like, well, it's intriguing. I'm not sure yeah. I'm ready to buy something like that yet, but it definitely is intriguing. And I really like the irregular camera technology thinking that's going on here. Yeah. Because like you mentioned, the back end looks like a phone. And so that means, you know, all it is is a screen. It's like a five inch uh, multi-touch display. It's got 1080p resolution. 
And so there's nothing to put up to your face. You know, it doesn't have one of those uh, those little, you know, viewfinder type items. Yeah. The buttons on the back are extremely minimal. Everything is done on screen like you would with a phone. And it's just <laughs> it's a micro yeah. four thirds Panasonic <laughs> sensor, 16 megapixels. But it's a Canon EF lens that is a, a, an odd pairing. But, you know, they have they probably wanted to save money in that, you know, in that sensor. So the four, four thirds is going to save some money there. And then they have experience with the EF lenses, like you yeah. mentioned, with that knockoff lens. Uh, so that, you know, in that sense, it makes sense that they did that. Uh, it has a Qualcomm eight core processor and it ships with Android 7.1. And it has a GPS included, a headphone jack, a dual LED flashes for some reason. I'm not sure how effective that's going to be with yeah. a standard lens. But still, it's that kind of thing where this is the kind of direction, I think, anyway, we need to see some some innovation happening. Yeah, it, it, that, I think that that's the reason that I'm so intrigued by this is just that it's I'm not saying it's a game changer or, oh man, all tech, like all cameras are going to go this way, but it's just kind of interesting to see. Uh, well, yeah, we've had camera phones for decades at yeah, this point. Yeah. And, and everybody talks about, oh man, the quality of your, your camera phones getting so good, yada, yada, which is not untrue. And there's, there's been all of this work for the, the kind of computational photography that it kind of, it seems like a genius mix where you say, all right, well, if this is Android based, they already have a lot of basis in this computational photography. So to use better optics with with a proper lens and a larger sensor that you can then merge with that, I, I think it might be an interesting route to some really compelling technology in the future. Yeah. And, and I think even for now, I mean, it, they're trying to price it at $500 or less. So right, it's right. an affordable camera. It shoots 4K video. The Micro Four Thirds, take it or leave it. Right. Kind of depends on, on your feelings with that. But it seems like they were kind of trying to focus on video shooters here. Um, except they didn't quite capture all of the things a video shooter would be interested in. Um, all of this, this information that's been released was based on... Um, I think one interview that yes. was done at a, at a trade show. And so it, we're, we're relying on the single interaction that was in well-spoken English, but there was definitely a bit of a language barrier um, coming into play because there was mention of um, there's a 32 gigabyte internal memory with the ability to add another 32 gigabyte card to expand, but that seems weird to me. Why would you be able to right. use only a 32 gigabyte card and not um, anything beyond that in, in terms of an SD? I think that that might've just been possibly a, 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 a misspoken thing that right. we're hopping on and saying, Oh, you can only expand it to 64 gigabytes shooting 4k video. That's nothing. Um, which if that is the case, seems a little odd, but at the same time, it, it's still a start. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's 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 a start and it's something that's really interesting and there's a part of me that's super tempted uh to to hop on this once it comes to the American market. Right now it's it, they're planning on releasing it next month in Chinese market seeing how it does there and then they said that their next step will be releasing it in an American market after that. Um so we're we're probably still quite a few months away from from this if not a year out from it, but I I just wanted to bring it up because it really is just cool it's an interesting new take on on this mirrorless camera um, system that we are really they're merging it with phones but in a way that kind of makes sense and I, i'm i'm just interested to see where this goes what, one thing i just had a thought i just had as as you were talking too is how cool would it be and i'm already thinking about the future now <laughs> but when you have that canon ef lens your image circle is pretty big yeah. Compared to that micro four third sensor, right? Mm -hmm. So how cool would it be? We've got this sensor shift technology. How cool would it be to have that sensor be able to shift all the way to the edge of that image circle mm. and then shift again? You obviously you want to be tripod mounted, but you shift again, take another shot, shift again, take another shot, and you've got yourself a panorama image with three or four or whatever different shots. And Locked on a tripod without moving. Huh? You didn't have to do a thing. And you've got this gorgeous panorama image. 
that could be pretty cool i think that definitely could be pretty cool if uh, oh but that also complicates things because you have moving parts and anytime you have moving parts that's well a potential point of failure if if they can get you know these sensors to shift a half a pixel over so they can you know claim a higher resolution because they're capturing the light that's lost between pixels yeah what they do with sensor shift technology i would think they could have pretty good control over this because you can effectively do the same kind of thing with a tilt shift lens where you just crank that lens over take a shot crank the lens back take a shot and merge it out you know so this is just the sensor then moving not the lens itself your sensor and not the lens yeah that 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 is a very interesting concept that i could see a potential for so yeah i would love that let me tell you what would be really cool I, i would so go for that um, it could even be done potentially with video to where you're doing your time lapse. You see all these time lapse with motion. Yeah. You don't got to yeah. move the camera. What's your, what's your you slider do. for? Just move your sensor. Still. Oh yeah. I mean, and especially with a focus on video, it just yeah. seems like you're kind of taking with this. Yeah. Yeah. I could see a, a serious use for that. So one thing I I did kind of think about too, uh, that is with the autofocus is I didn't hear any mention about autofocus, but Panasonic doesn't do phase detect autofocus on sensor. Yeah. They, they do this thing they call, uh, I, I'm forgetting the name now, uh, focus from uh, depth of field or yeah, de- like contrast depth, based or something of the sort. Depth of defocus or whatever they call it. I'm sure yeah. someone's going to correct me and I welcome your correction. Um, <laughs> depth from defocus. Anyway, uh, I'm going to slide down a, a, a hill here that I can't get myself out of. But anyway, <laughs> so yes, it's going to be some kind of contrast based AF. And certainly those are slower systems. Those potentially aren't as accurate. The way Panasonic has dealt with that is they actually have programmed the bokeh of each lens into the lens. So there's a little memory chip there. And so the camera can communicate with that and it then knows which direction it needs to go for getting into focus. Pretty sure this system is not going to support that because there's just so much more testing. You have to have that specific model lens registered. I just don't see that coming through here. So it is going to probably most likely end up being just a contrast AF, which for the most part is going to do fine. I'm not saying it's going to be, terribly hideous it's just being slow i mean it's not necessarily what you're going to be going and shooting sports with right right uh, i mean still totally workable you could still get sharp images with it and especially again i I just keep coming back to i think that they're trying to hit on people interested in videography right the thing almost looks like what is that the black magic mini right i'm not a videographer but it's it's small and sleek it looks like a phone with a big can't lens mount on it um so i think that they might be kind of going after a similar market as right. that where they're going for cinematography type work and in that instance your autofocus isn't quite as important because you're doing a lot of video work with manual focus anyway sure um so i i think that that could be a part of it one one thing that i want to bring up that um i found maybe just a little bit concerning in the interview again this is talking with a single representative uh, but the the guy doing the interview said okay are you going to be able to select multiple frame rates for video right um, he was like can you it shoots 30 frames per second in 4k video could you do 24 or maybe something more than that and her response was oh i'll, I'll pass that on to the engineers and see if that might be a possibility which is cool that you could do that after the fact with um software right which of course i I mean just makes sense that you'd be able to do that but it also seems a little odd that oh they they haven't considered the fact that people who shoot video use different frame rates and would like to have the ability to change on their right right so that's just a a a point of eh, okay this does seem kind of directed towards video and yet that's a, a pretty key important thing that has not been considered. So, well, um, and I, I wonder too about, this is something that I'm completely ignorant of. I just don't know about the Chinese market. Yeah. If, if much of them, if much of the, you know, do they use the 24 frames very much for, you know, the home video type folks the, you know, that yeah. who this is probably targeted towards. So, you know, maybe yeah. this is just, just because that's who they were initially targeting uh, as they're developing this machine. 
very very true one thing that i would definitely like to see from this if it is well if they're indeed capable of moving on i would love to see something that could do 60 to 100 frames per second in video something where you can get nice smooth slow motion shots sure. even if it's not in 4k i mean i know that in terms of electronics you have certain limitations to what you can do there so if you already have a sensor that's developed for a certain rate it might not be possible in 4k but i imagine that if you're doing 4k and 30 frames per second, you could probably do full HD at hundred frames per second without too much difficulty. And that would be something that I would really like to be able to see out of that. Yeah, that, that makes sense. <laughs> and the last thing that I thought was pretty awesome about this is you can take your SIM card out of your phone and plug it into this camera and oh, yeah. you're then attached to the 4g network. And that is definitely something I would do. Yeah. Totally. I think that that's awesome. I mean, I, I am wondering to what extent this will be an operational phone. Because Why? It's so close. It, yeah. I, I mean, of course, it's not something you're, that you're going to carry around in your pocket, but I might just be willing to wear around a dorky phone belt if I could have my phone that also had the ability for me to swap out my professional lenses on. It might be a little bit tempting for yeah. me. Well, all you need is a is a Canon EF body cap. And, yeah, right? you know, it's a phone with this, oh, maybe it's an inch and a half, you know, thing hanging off the end. But I think I'd be OK with that. Yeah, I, I really might be OK with that because I'm finding myself more and more um, when I'm out and just happen to want to take a photo. I mean, I I do take a lot of photos with my phone that I would love to be able to take something of a better quality yeah. with my camera. And uh, to the extent that I'm only half joking and saying like, ah, like that would potentially be tempting for me to just start carrying that around instead of my current phone. Right. Right. But maybe I'm crazy there. <laughs> we could both be crazy. Yes. <laughs> because that would be a little bit thick in the pocket, but Oh yeah. Oh no, it, it would definitely be a huge dork signifier, but I, I, I don't know to get good photos. Maybe it's worth looking a little bit dorky from time to time. Yeah, yeah it definitely is. <laughs> All right, let's move on to our doodads of the week. What do you have for us, Connor? So my doodad is actually something I haven't even bought yet, but I'm fairly confident is going to be a really good thing. I am literally adding it to my cart tonight, and it is the Photo Deox Pro lens mount adapter for the Mamiya 645 and M645 lens to Canon EOS lens mount. Um, I am getting this because I have an old Mamiya 645 uh, film camera that's uh, the, the camera itself doesn't work however the glass is really in pristine condition and i just want to shoot with this a bit more and the reason that i am confident in putting this in a doodad is because realistically this is a hunk of metal that will just help connect my lens to my camera and allow me to shoot with that their manual focus lenses either way so there's no electronics no real point of failure beyond just they they have to lock into place yeah. so for those of you that are interested in maybe trying some legacy lenses, some legacy glass, they have adapters for any sort of lens that you could possibly think of, like any brand of lens. They probably have a not necessarily just photo deox, but there are adapters out there if you don't mind doing some manual focusing. And it can be a really fun way to bring a new kind of creative perspective to your photography and getting some high quality glass for next to nothing I, I bought three lenses and this broken camera body for 65 bucks wow. something like that that's so awesome that that's pretty awesome in terms of of lens quality and and i mean this is medium format glass it's great high quality glass so i'm i'm pretty excited about this and i will be shooting with this in the near future that's so cool and what does it do for the aperture does it is it manually locked down already like you know when you click the button it rotate the dial, whatever it automatically, it just manually goes down or is there something so where it still shuts uh, on when, when it, you flip the switch? You know, you so the, the, the aperture blades are all, it's all a manual control that's on the lens. Like it, it's an older system. So all of the aperture blades, it's a ring that I can control there. It's actually part of the reason why I, why I want to get this adapter is because I want to use them for uh, more videography work because I can adapt I can change the aperture while I'm shooting without having to move buttons. It's a nice, smooth nice. motion. Nice. Um, 
that can allow for light control. So uh, it, that would definitely be something if you have other systems, I would look into that, see if it has an automatic aperture adjustment or not. Um, but for many of the older lenses, you are just using a, a, a knob. It's a, another ring that's on the front of the lens that you adjust your aperture based on that. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I've got, th- this is good. I think uh, I'm going to go through my collection at the school. I've got a huge cabinet of historic cameras And I'm going to have to see if there's anything that has, because most of them are large format or twin lens reflex. Yeah. Uh, Some of these really old style cameras that, you know, where they were bolted on like a Agfas, some of some of the really old Agfas uh, have some Leicas that had the, um, anyway, their, their screw on lenses, not the, not the regular Leica mount anyway. Uh, But yeah, there might be some that I could put onto my Canon as well. So I'm going to, I'm going to look at that and see what I can find. Cause that would be really fun to use some of those lenses for sure. Yeah, totally. Especially for creative projects and stuff, something where, um, not that I do a ton of it these days, but things that are more for fun, creativity, giving me just a different type of workflow and uh, finding enjoyment in that. I got to find weird little ways to, to force myself to put those kinds of constraints in my life. And this, right. this is just one other way that I can go about doing that. That's awesome. Well, my doodad is a color gel kit and anything in the 12 by 10 by 12 inch size is what I'm talking about. And there's a kit from Lee. It says these are color gels that go over your studio flashes so we use the alien bees and the digibees at the school and so that has a cone that you put on it and then you can put an attachment on the cone that takes other things and some of the other things are just a little slide a little slit or whatever that you can put in this little thin piece of plastic which we call a gel and so it's like 20 or 25 dollars at b&h for uh, a kit like this it has i don't know 18 or 20 different color pieces that you can then choose. Do I want purple, blue, orange, green, you know, light green, dark green, that kind of a thing. But usually what I like to do, if I want light green, I'll probably just put the dark green in there and I'll just punch the light real, real quick, uh, full power kind of a thing uh, (laughs) to get more uh, brightness out of it. But uh, so that's, that's my doodad is just one of those colored gel kits. They're really affordable and you can get lots of creative, cool stuff going on. Yeah, always a good thing to have in your bag, to be sure. And then, of course, they sell small ones. Many different manufacturers sell small ones for your little flashes, your speed lights. And Mm -hmm. if that's what you have, then certainly just buy the size you need. Uh, If you buy one of these big ones, of course, you could just use your scissors and cut them down to size. Um, And then, you know, maybe your camera club folks want to have some fun with that as well. So you buy like one of these kits. And you could probably get eight to 10 people, you know, a whole kit of little, uh, little sheets that you would manually cut yourself. And yeah. it would cost you like two bucks a piece that way for a whole set of colors. Uh, <laughs> if you wanted to go that crazy with it. <laughs> All right. So masterphotographypodcast.com. That is the home for the show. And you'll find the show notes there. And we certainly have the Facebook group as well. We do ask that you answer a question that's just about answering the question about a host for the show. I actually saw someone the other day. I don't certainly know if they're a serious listener or not because they answered Isabella Rossellini. And I was like, (laughs) I'm sorry, I'm not going to be able to let you in. So if that was you, uh, answer one of our names, uh, Connor, Brent, and then there's Jeff, Brian, and Erica as well. And we'll even take Nick. We we get a few of those we here got and there. Nick and you say Jim, that's fine. That's worked. <laughs> uh, any of the other guests that have been on, especially if they're recently, they've been on the last. By recently, I mean the last six months or so. Uh, yeah, that that has worked. You know, so there's Levi and a couple others. So if you recognize a name in there. Uh, you know, we'll recognize it too, and we will welcome you to that Facebook group. And there's lots of people. So we've got. 8,152 members in that group. That is awesome. And I really appreciate everyone being there and just adding to the conversation. It's a, it's a great way for me 
to, how do I say this safely, spend lots of time (laughs) that I should probably be doing something else, but it's so much fun. Photography is just so much fun and it's, it's, it's a good escape kind of a thing. Uh, We also have an Instagram account at master photography podcast, and then you can find my work over at my main website, brentbergherm.com. And then you can find uh, my podcast at latitudephotographypodcast.com. I'm also on YouTube and I've got some Facebook groups for the Latitude and a few other things too. Just search my name on Facebook. I'm on Instagram as well. So pretty much got the main things covered. How about yourself, Connor? Uh, you can you can see my work on my website at Connor Hibbs Photography or Connor Hibbs dot photography. You can find me on Instagram at Connor Hibbs Photography, where I do not post nearly enough. And yeah, you too. can also <laughs> listen to our other show um, that Eric and I host, the Portrait Session podcast. Um, and just look that one up. You can see our website there at portraitsessionpodcast.com. Awesome. Thank you, Connor, for being here with me. It's been a pleasure to catch up yeah, with you and speak with you. Great. Uh, I've I had really tons of fun. It. Awesome. Awesome. And listeners, I hope you've enjoyed it as well. And please remember to uh, like and share and do whatever else uh, with that. You know, leave a, a review there in your podcast app, whatever the case might be. That's always good. And we will definitely see you again in another seven days. Bye.